Right, thank you, Brother Z. It is good to be able to pray uh, to the Lord. Very thankful for that. Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 6. So for, as a reminder, and for our guests, we've been working through for the last nine weeks or so. This is message number nine. It's been a little longer than that, being out on some Wednesdays. But why West Valley is a Baptist church and where we're, I think we're going to have, I think we're going to have one more message um, on this subject. Um, but we're, we're bringing to a conclusion tonight this acronym. And, and just, just to kind of review and as a, as a reminder of some things, um, one of the reasons we're a Baptist church is because it was a, a guy who's a Baptist who started the church out of another Baptist church, okay? So just being logical. Number two, Baptist for us defines a doctrinal position, not a denomination. And, and what we mean by that is there is a history of doctrine that at one point was labeled Anabaptist, and that's what we have aligned with. It wasn't a name that we procured unto ourselves. Someone else gave it as a derogatory statement in opposition. And so for, for this church... And, and I've tried to make this so abundantly clear. I'm not, I'm not trying to police anybody else. And I don't, I don't mean this in an ugly way. My, my only concern can be West Valley is, is what we are being. And so for us, it defines specific doctrinal positions. And then there's an acronym, the, the acronym being Baptists. And the, the acronym is not inspired or preserved. Okay, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm just nervous. Somebody out here like, man, pastor thinks that acronym's in the Bible. Well, no, I actually don't. But the things that it represents are in the Bible, and it's just a way to keep your thoughts organized. And this is what I'm really after, is that people who choose to be a part of this church family can say, I know what we are in this, and I know what we are in this. And I know why we do this, and I know why our pastor says this, and I know why we have this position on things. And, it, and it's really, this is really about information and, and in some ways biblical education and helping you to understand some of the things behind convictions that we have about certain things. And so this, these, aren't, these characteristics are not exclusive to a Baptist church. That they're not, I'm not even making that point. And, and again, I know people would try to take what I've said and either expand it to other places or rebuke it because they're a little different. That, that's not even the point. I'm not even trying to get into that with anybody else. My concern is this church family. That's my concern. And so this helps us to organize these things. And so we're going to, we've done, th these are the things that we've gone through. This is the acronym. B-A-P-T-I-S-T-S, -S. biblical authority, autonomy of the local church, priesthood of the believer, two ordinances, individual soul liberty, saved baptized membership. And tonight, we're going to deal with the two offices and then separation of church and state and what we mean by that. So we're going to begin with the two offices that are mentioned in the Bible, and those would be pastor and deacon. Turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verse number 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, which is a good thing. 
And that just means the church is growing. And, and this is what happens when a church grows, you have growing pains. Look, this is encouraging to me because complaining is not unique to a generation or to a church. It's actually been the, a problem of God's people throughout history. You're not finding that very funny, but I was actually, I'm encouraged by it. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Again, there's so many things I could just preach on. It's so good. Hebrews and Grecians. You know what that means? God saves people from all over the place. The gospel isn't for a group that's just like you. God saves people from every group, hallelujah. And they ought to be able to get along. But you know that getting along is hard. You can't even get along with yourself half the time. Because the, the concern was legitimate because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the 12, so the 12 are, are serving as the pastoral team. And one of them has replaced Judas Iscariot. And so the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, please get this. They weren't saying that serving tables is not worthy or important. It's not what they were saying. They weren't even being condescending about it. They were just saying, God has made our responsibility very, very clear. And we cannot lay it aside for another responsibility. And so they said, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. Read the next one, two, three, four, five words out loud. Full of the Holy Ghost. Read the next two words. And wisdom. That's going to be really important in a minute. Whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer into the ministry of the word, and the saying please the whole multitude. And so they chose Stephen, who's very significant in the early church, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And then he listed the others. And then they set them before this, the apostles, and they prayed, laid their hands on them. And then notice what the result of that was in verse 7. The word of God, what's the word? Increased. And the number of the disciples, what's the word? multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So here's, here's the point. You've heard me make this statement so many times. One man can't do everything that needs to be done. There were multiple things here that were important. And if we can just say it this way for the sake of expediency tonight, there was the spiritual side and there was the physical side. There, there was the preaching of the word of God and then there was the taking care of the widows. And there was a neglect of certain widows because of some racial, uh, racial disparity, disparity, it seems like, going on here. And so the, the 12 recognized our priority must be the declaration of the Bible and, and prayer and seeking God in taking responsibility for the spiritual dynamic, this other dynamic is important, but we can't leave one in order to satisfy another need. So what do we do? Well, we need to look out people who can, who can do these things that need to be done 
and who demonstrate that they follow Jesus and can be trusted. So here's how we would divide in, in chapter 6 these two groups. You have the pastor who sees to the spiritual feeding. And then please make note of this. You have other spirit-filled men who were to see to the needs of these widows. Now, side note, a couple of side notes. The men here are not called deacons. And, and I've heard people argue over this. Like, these were the first deacons and these weren't the first deacons. Okay. Sweet. I think those were the first deacons. Awesome. I think those weren't the first deacons because the text doesn't say they were. Awesome. Y'all should both come to the altar and pray and be okay. That's <laughs> why you say, what's your point? The point is this demonstrates, and, and the qualifications that we're going to look at in a moment demonstrate how this structure ought to work. It demonstrates what ought to be taking place. All right, so here, here's the second note. At West Valley, we currently use trustees in this leadership structure. Eventually, that's going to be switched over to deacons. There are reasons for that that go back into our past. But I've started years ago taking the approach that if a man wouldn't qualify to be a deacon, then he shouldn't be considered to be a trustee. And, and so the men that we have in leadership, they meet these qualifications. All right, so let, let's look at them for a moment, and then we'll, we'll get into the qualification, or we'll get into the responsibility part a little bit more. First Timothy chapter 3, if you don't mind going there. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And you can also see Titus is another place that talks about this. First Peter 5, which we'll go to in a little bit. So First Timothy 3, verse 1. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A pastor should want to be a pastor. Yeah, no, no. no, look... It, Nobody loves everything about their job, I don't think. Now, somebody's going to come up to me tonight, Pastor, I love everything about my job. No, there's hard things, and okay, that's fine. There are hard things about every job. But man, I love pastoring. I've told you this. I, I am convinced of this, that I would not be right with God if I gave, myself to, if I gave my life to anything else. And you, you should want a pastor who wants to be your pastor, but, 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 just because you want to doesn't mean you get to. Hey, I want to be a pastor. Okay. Okay. Look, a bishop then must be blameless. Okay, don't confuse blameless with sinless. Like, pastor, you're not perfect. Right. <laughs> You've never heard me say that. Well, then, what, so what are we talking about blameless? Well, is my testimony one that typically is bringing reproach to Jesus Christ and to the church, or is it a testimony? Is it a testimony that is bringing honor to Jesus Christ and helping the life of the church? The husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt, meaning having a, an ability to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, 
having his children in subjection with all gravity, and actually the, the, the parenting of a pastor and his wife, it, it says more about that than it does any other qualification. And it says, verse 5, For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Just a side note on this, I, I preach this. When I have opportunity to preach to other pastors, I have, I have made this statement. I've made this statement to men who are going out to, to raise support as church planners, at, to missionaries. Listen, if you go to a church and want that church to give money to you and then trust you to go to another place and to put that money to good use, you better have your children under control. No, it is good. Y'all have to be excited about it. But why would you trust a man to be capable of, of leading a flock if he can't make sure that his children are sitting still? Okay, now here's the other side of that. Well, man, I noticed that the pastor's kids did something wrong. So he's obviously not blameless. Look, I, I try to constantly find balance in this, but I'm not going to expect... I'm not, I'm not going to expect more of my children than what God expects of them. Let me, let me just say something else in defense of my children. I understand that sometimes people want the pastor's kids to be spiritual giants that maybe just in their own walk with God, they're not ready to be. Now, I'm, I'm not assessing my children publicly. I'm just saying this, that just because a child's last name is Pyle, doesn't, doesn't mean they're at a certain level. They have to go through the same growing process that everybody else has to go through. You say, well, man, what if, what if, one, of, what if one of pastor's kids messes up? Well, then I'm going to approach it as I would if one of your children messed up. In the, in the same way, this isn't, sometimes we make this to mean something that it does not where a pastor's kids, they can't grow spiritually, and they have this, they have this microscope on them, and then, it, and then or man, are, what is going to happen if they do something wrong? We're going to deal with it the way that we would with anybody else. But there needs to be evidence of control and not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without. I mean, even, even among non-believers, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So that's a pastor. I, we'd be here for three or four hours if I broke all of those down. You say, man, that's, that's pretty specific and pretty high. Is it? Right. Mm, that's because I'd say it matters to God. God doesn't lower that. Even though a culture is shifting, even though church cultures are lowering and shifting, God doesn't lower that. Like, that's pretty high, right? There's another list of qualifications that are pretty high. <laughs> Look at verse 8. What's the first word? Likewise. You know what that means, Brother Dave? Thank you for saying it so loud. As one of our trustees, you know what that's saying? The same as. Hey, hey, Brother Dave, you know that list I just gave for your pastor? Buckle up, homie. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not preaching at him. He knows. He's from Boston. He can handle it anyway. And y'all pray for him. The Celtics really dropped an egg the other night. And so... I mean, I'm not throwing. I said, pray for you, bro. I don't know why people take that personally. Anyway, <laughs> likewise, must the deacons be grave? 
not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Notice verse 11, even so must their wives be. And it says, grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. You know, look, I'm not, I am not sorry for this. And I, and I am saying this bluntly. I am saying it with intensity. I am not mad about it. You just need to understand how I think. I don't consider men for a position of leadership if I can't trust their wife. And, it, and, it, and, and that would be across the board. If you, you know, I, I, I talk to our, our, our trustees and their wives. They are leaders together. And, and, and the wives of these men. They can give testimony how we have time together, and I'm talking to the men, and I'm talking to the ladies, and there are expectations. There's weight. There's pressure on you as well to represent certain things, which we'll get to in a moment. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, again, ruling their children and their own house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus, and then he goes on to explain some other things. So, again, we could go through the list point by point, the, excuse me, the list point by point. We'd be here for several hours. Can I, sum it, can I sum it up this way in a statement? God expects both pastors and deacons, both the pastor's wife and the deacon's wives, to be observably like Jesus. That's what God expects. Now, I look at Brian Johnson, and I look at Kim Johnson, and I can see evidence of Jesus Christ. No, that doesn't mean that they're perfect. Wait, man, you know, I, 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 one time I noticed this thing about somebody, and, and, and they're just not perfect. High five yourself, and then go to the altar and ask God to help you get the beam out of your eye before you deal with the moat in somebody else's eye. I'm not talking about perfection. But I should, without apology, be able to look at Carrie Tinsley's life and see Jesus Christ. You should be able to look at Andrea Pyle and Jonathan Pyle and the way that their family is trying to live. Not perfectly, but trying to live and say, we can see evidence, clear, observable, across the board evidence that this family is trying to follow Jesus Christ. Not ashamed of that. All right. So... Those are the qualifications. And they don't lower. Like, man, I'd really... By the, by the way, on the, on the deacon side, can I, can I encourage you with this? Don't make it your ambition to be that. Men and women can get themselves really hurt when they start saying, I want this position. Look, look. God can get you where he wants you to be. No, I'm just, I'm just telling you this. Every person that I've, that I've had a part in putting in different positions, they were not in pursuit of it. You know what they were in pursuit of? We want to follow Jesus Christ. Don't put yourself in a position to where you make, you make this process personal, please. Because God knows where you are. I hope, I hope that's coming across. I'm trying to protect because sometimes you're like, well, why is it them? And why is it not them? And, and, and even getting hurt for someone else or getting offended for someone else or for yourself. Look, let God be the one who, who leads in those things. 
Okay, so those are the qualifications. Then let's talk for a moment about the responsibility. The pastor, turn to, turn to Hebrew, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 1. The elders which are among you, referring to the, the pastor, the pastoral leadership, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Verse 2, feed the flock of God which is among you. And then it says this, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but being of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And so, please get this, a pastor has a level of accountability in the life of a church that nobody else has. It's, it's in Scripture, not with you, with the chief shepherd. Look, I, I do take this seriously. Two things. I will die, and I will answer for how I pastored you. Because Jesus takes your care very personally. Go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 17 Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. A pastor is supposed to feed God's people and to provide spiritual leadership for this church family in following Jesus Christ. This has nothing to do with personality or style of delivery. It has everything to do with the congregation being fed, by, fed the word of God in a way that you can make daily application to your life and then to provide leadership that enables you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and through the life of this church to carry out his commission, which applies to all of us. That's the responsibility, a very brief summary of the responsibility of a pastor. You say, well, who's in charge? Okay, you ready? God is. God's in charge. Well, how is he going to lead us? Through the pastor that he gives. Well, how is that pastor going to make decisions? By seeking God and then by the leaders that God has given to help him make decisions. Oh, this is, this is so cool how this, how this works out. I'll get to it in a minute. Deacons, the responsibility of deacons, it's not to keep the pastor accountable. Thank you. It's not to keep the pastor accountable. It's not who you go to when you have a complaint about the pastor. I'm just going to pause right here for a minute. You can talk to any of our leaders about anything, anytime, anywhere. But if you have a serious problem or a complaint about any individual, whether it's me or the person sitting next to you, the Bible commands that you're supposed to go to that person. We don't circumvent biblical processes in that. Let me say the same. The church staff isn't who you go to if you have a problem with me. And I'm not who you go to if, you, if, if there is a personal issue that you need to work out with someone. 
I mean, I've, I've had this conversation with people, and I'm, I appreciate the grace you give me, but if, if you come to me and say, I have a concern about someone, here's what I'm going to say. Have you talked to them? And you talk to them. And sometimes there's reasons for how you handle things, and I get that. But there, there also needs to be a responsibility to handle it a certain way. I've, I've, had, I've heard this statement made to me. The deacons are the ones who hold your feet to the fire. Okay, where is that in the Bible? <laughs> no, but this is what we've made it in churches. And there are deacons' boards who believe they've been empowered, the pastor preaches the Bible, and then we keep control of the pastor. That's not in the Bible. You say, so what? Are the deacons just yes men to you? No. This is so good. Man, we just, we complicate so much stuff. Because we're so afraid of not being in control, and we're so afraid of us not getting our way, and we're so afraid of just trusting God. A deacon's not supposed to be a yes man. A deacon's not supposed to be a no man. Man, there's some, that not, not our group, but there are people who have the personality, I'm just going to always disagree. Why? It's my job to just be the devil's advocate. Really? In the work of Jesus, you want to be his advocate? It's not your job to be a yes man. It's not your job to be a no man. You know what it's your job to be? A spirit-filled man that can help this church follow Jesus Christ. So this is what happens with, within our leadership structure, particularly with the finances. And, the, and this is of my own choosing that we have a system where the, the, the trustees, deacons, where they, they, see, they have access to see every single penny that is spent. I'm not afraid of that. I'm not bothered by that. You're like, well, I want to see everything. Mm, no. That's a whole nother message that's actually dealt with in the Bible. But we have a system set up where there are multiple layers of protection. But then there are issues that come up. And if this church is going to grow, I can't be the only one that has the ability to make a spiritual decision. And so I have to be willing to let other people make decisions. And other people have to be willing to be spirit-led so they can make decisions. And we don't just do this with trustees, deacons. We do this with staff. We do this with people in other positions of leadership. Man sitting in the back, Brother Patrick, is a faithful man of God's work. He does a fantastic job. If he comes to me and Brother Z comes to me and say, hey, we need, this, we need a new piece of sound equipment, I'll usually ask a couple of questions and then I'll say this. Does it fit into the budget? And do you really, are you really convinced you need this? I'm not going to sit here and micromanage all of this because I can't be in control of everything. Brother Z comes to me and says, hey, I think I want to do this with the kids ministry. I don't try to micromanage all of that. I say, are you walking with God? Are you giving evidence that you're trying to follow Jesus? And then is it in the budget? Then just do it. Say to the men, and, and they can give testimony to this right now, our current group is Dave Thomas, Brian Johnson, Max Tinsley, Robbie Wicklin. Hey, I think... Um, we, we have this decision that needs to be made. And guys, here's the truth. I need one of y'all to make this decision. So what? I'm going to trust them to walk with God and go make the decision. You say, Pastor, have there ever been any times when they don't agree with you on something? No. <laughs> Never. What, it, what do you do in those situations? Well, 
I do what I do with Andrea. I curl up in the fetal position and cry. <laughs> we talk about it. There, there have been times, there, there are times where an issue comes up and it's, and man, a couple see it this way, a couple see it that way, and I see it a completely different way. And so you know what we say? We just need to table this for a minute. It's okay to just go wait and pray. There have been times, and this was tested recently, where I was really wrestling with something and all four of them, all four of them saw it a certain way. And I said, okay, here's a, I just need you to give me a little more time to seek God. And this, is, and, and this was the conclusion I came to, is that if God surrounds me with men that I believe walk with him, I am a fool if I don't let their, their thoughts influence my thoughts. And so they can give testimony to this. I adjusted. Yeah. You're like, I don't, you don't know about all those things. There have also been times where they're like, eh, pastor, we don't know. And I say, look, guys, on the word of God, my time with God, I'm convinced this is what we need to do. And I thank God for this. Pastor, whatever you believe we need to do, we're with you. And that's what we ought to be. Amen. All right. So we need to be spirit-filled following Jesus. So exciting. The S, separation of church and state. Turn to Acts chapter 5. I'm going to try to be a little quicker on this one. Let, let, me, get, let me go back. Sorry, I just, I, th- this isn't down, it's just in my heart. There are no insignificant roles in the life of a church. And, I want to be careful how I say this. Anybody that wants to be involved in the life of a church needs to bear evidence of following Jesus Christ. Because it becomes really detrimental to the life of a church if we just like, yeah, whoever wants to do whatever can do whatever. You don't want that kind of church. You need to be, and, and, and you also have to understand that we have a waiting process on purpose. And I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not sorry for this. There, there needs to be observation of us and of people who want to be involved. This is how it works. You say, well, I'm, I, don't, I don't have a title like that. Listen, if, if you're going to be on a cleaning team, you need to be on a cleaning team with the right spirit. Man, I, I'm so excited. I hear people talking with Z. Out, Brother Z outside of the office when I'm getting things ready and talking about Bible school. And I'm so excited for the men and the women that pour themselves into this and that help make this happen because all of his enthusiasm in the world doesn't put feet on the ground and people in classes and lessons and crafts and all the work that needs to go into it. I am so thankful for it. But don't you dare underestimate the significance of you walking with Jesus Christ. And I believe this, if Tina Stevens is going to stand before a class and teach the word of God to children, she needs to be walking with Jesus Christ like anybody else does. And Miss Jessica and Miss Becca, they're not just playing the piano. They are accompanying the people of God and praising him. And their hearts need to be as right with God as mine does when I stand up here to declare the word of God. No, look, I understand there's different levels of expectations, fine, but we all need to have a desire to be filled with the Spirit of God to follow Jesus Christ. All right, okay, now I'm done with that. Separation of church and state. 
This is not saying that churches should have no opinions about political issues. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not saying that churches should not obey laws. Well, I just hate the government. We are not a base for promoting anyone's candidacy. Did I say that word right? I am allowed as a pastor. And this has nothing to do with maintaining a tax-exempt status. If you think that's what I'm worried about, you're wrong. No, no. If you think that's what I'm worried about, you're wrong. I'm not worried about that. We have it. We don't have it. Ramifications if we don't thankful for the benefit that we do in property tax and all that, that's not my concern. My concern is being a church that represents Jesus Christ. And when I say that it's not my job to be a base for any candidacy, here's what I mean. No politician ever saved one single sinner. And our goal here is not to be a political arm for any movement or any party. Our goal here is to represent the king of all ages who can save anyone and change anybody's life. Hallelujah. That's our goal. But I am allowed to help God's people be informed. <laughs> Man, why can't we just be comfortable? Can't we just be somewhere and be comfortable? Well, you always got to be saying stuff that makes me squeamish. Look, I can tell you what candidates support. You have never heard me say, vote for this person. You know what you have heard me say? You better know what candidates represent, and you better let the word of God affect how you filter through those issues. Because you don't get to be a Christian here and then lay your faith aside in the voting booth. We're loud. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. For us, this means two things. You go to Romans 13, let every soul, don't turn there, I'm not, just let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, the powers that be are ordained of God. And then the purpose, as you read that text, is to be a terror to the good works. To, sorry, to the evil works. We obey the government. We're expected to be, obey the government where we can in good conscience before God. That's what we're expected to do. But here's where Acts chapter 5 comes into it. We prioritize obeying God... When what the government says conflicts with what God's word says. By the way, you should do that as an individual. Look at Acts chapter 5 verse 27. And when they had brought them, they bet Peter and some other guys have been arrested for preaching. They set them before the council and the high priest asked them saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. No, 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 no. They brought his blood upon themselves. They were the ones who crucified him. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, I love this statement, we ought to obey God rather than men. Amen. Let me give you two examples of this. Actually, three. The social terrorism that is sweeping our nation in the form of the transgender movement. 
is being promoted in every major outlet just about. Corporations. I'm not, I don't want you to become a weirdo. I'm just telling you there is an alliance of corporations globally to promote this agenda. They are trying to cram this down every, and, and it will become, a, it, if this continues on its course, it will become a constitutionally protected class where even, even warning against dangers about it is going to become hate speech. And this has nothing to do with racism. But they, they will make it, they will make it that. I went into a gas station today, and the bathroom, two bathrooms, and both bathrooms had a sign that was a partial handicap symbol, partial man, and then a partial woman symbol. And what are they trying to do? Avoid any conflict. Avoid any problems. I'm just telling you, I will not, I will not be, nor will I tolerate anyone being nasty or being ugly or making fun of. Anybody wants to come to this church and hear about Jesus, they are welcome to come and sit and hear the truth of the word of God. And we will reach out to anyone that will give us the time of day to reach out to them. You want to come and sit and be a part, anybody's welcome. But we're not running from this issue. I really don't care what anybody's pronouns are. I'm not relenting the proper use of the English language to accommodate insanity and absurdity. Norther, neither are we going to open up our lady's bathroom in order to avoid political or public persecution. We are not running from this issue. You just need to understand, people have gone to jail over this already. And I'm not, I'm not actually trying to make that happen. I'm just telling you, there are lines that we don't cross. God made them. You say, yeah, pastor, you need to be ready. Yeah, but you need to be ready too. Because it wasn't just a pastor that had to pay a price for this. In the Bible, pastors and lay people had to pay a price for things. But we don't sacrifice these young ladies for a psychotic agenda that is driven by confusion and Satan. We won't do that. Say, why do you talk about that like you're worried somebody in here struggles with that? No, I'm not worried. But Although you might be surprised at what people struggle with. But this is where people can get helped. But you don't help people by affirming confusion. You help people by lovingly confronting them with the truth that God created them on purpose for a purpose and loves them. Let me give you another example. The, the COVID lockdowns. And, and you can't assemble. Here's, here's where we had a time because it was just a really unique time with, in at least America, this level of government intervention across the board about you can't, we're going to control what you do. And here's where it shifted for me. When, when bars are allowed to stay open and when BLM riots can happen and nobody's saying anything about that, well, we're coming back to church because we're actually doing good for people. Now, you don't have to agree with it, but we're, we're coming back to church. And I made this statement then. I'm going to make this statement again. We will never willingly close our doors again for anybody. Now, can it be forced? Well, obviously. I mean, that, that, can stuff, that stuff can happen. But we're going we're gonna to assemble. 
You say, man, I, man, what if, and believe me, if you don't pay enough attention to politics, man, something else is going to happen where we can control a narrative and try to control people. If you don't pay enough attention, I'm just telling you, they're not, just, it's what, it's the world we live in. Well, what are we going to do, pastor? We're going to love Jesus. We're going to love people. We're going to sing his praise. We're going to worship him. We're going to preach his word. What if things have to be adjusted? Then we'll adjust, man. We got a creative God. And he knows what's going on. Last thing, I want to ask you this. Because there are people that, there are Christians, and I'm not attacking their motive, but I do believe that they were foolish in this, that they attacked, there, there are pastors who attacked pastors like me and churches like us who chose to open our doors and, and said, you're not respecting the government. Okay, no, it, it has nothing to do with that. I am observing the two-facedness of a government that has already proven they're going to lie about a lot of stuff. So can I just ask you a question? Do you really think a government who supports your 12-year-old having a mutilating procedure that permanently changes their life without parental knowledge or consent wouldn't try to ban you from preaching the gospel? Look, I'm not telling you where you should be on everything personally. That's not what this is about. This is about, as a church... We are committed to following God first. I'll be respectful of every government official, but I don't submit to them. I submit to God. And my submission to them is based on my submission to God. And when those two come into conflict, we choose Jesus Christ. And you better be ready for that personally as well. Because I'm telling you, it is getting weirder and weirder. And your sons and your daughters are, are without apology the target of it. And so we're going to follow Jesus Christ. That's what that means. Hey, we're not going to be nasty. You don't have to have voted for someone. You you should still be respectful. You can disagree passionately and wholeheartedly. You still ought to do it in a Christ-like way. And and by the way, let me me say this. I don't, we, I I am thankful, man, Miss. Miss Eileen is a great example of maintaining balance in this and provides a lot of helpful information others of you. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm saying that, that you know, I Brother Nate and I may see things different on some political areas. I shouldn't have less love for him as a child of God because he has a political difference. Be a Christian first. And then, like, Jesus guide your politics. I hope all that makes sense. I love you. Trying to help. Hope it helps to be informed. All right, looking forward to Sunday, um, VBS outreach on Saturday. Let's all stand. Brother Nate is going to lead us. God bless you. See you uh, Sunday morning at 945.